So we're looking at Acts 26. Just to do a quick recap as to where we are. We are in the book of Acts on chapter 26. Paul is in prison. He's been in prison for two years. He was taken into prison because the Jews had accusations against him. The accusations against Paul were that Paul said, as the Bible quotes, that there was a dead man, Jesus, who had, Paul quotes, uh, claimed had risen from the dead and had gone to heaven, and Paul was saying that you could have a relationship with this man, Jesus. Not only that, but that this relationship was not only available to Jews, but this relationship was available to Gentiles as well. As a result of this, the Jews were in an uproar. They brought accusations against Paul, and that is why he was put into prison. John did chapter 24. In chapter 24 in the book of Acts, Paul gives his defense against Governor Felix. We are now two chapters in 26. Felix, um, Felix is no longer the governor, and a new governor has come into, into power, and his name is Festus. Jacob preached last week that Paul, the first thing uh, Festus wanted to do when he came into power was hear about this man, Paul. What were these things that Paul was saying? And so he brings in um, Agrippa, King Agrippa, and his sister Bernice, and they come in, and Paul, the beginning of chapter 26, is going to give his defense a second time. Because the first time in chapter 24, they did not reach a verdict. So Paul has waited in prison for two years. During these two years, the Bible says that the accusations against him became more fierce and um, more violent, and they became more aggressive in the accusations against Paul. Paul was sitting in prison for two years while these uh, accusations came against him. We, when we did Emotionally Healthy, a course that we did, Pete Scazzera speaks about the dark night of the soul. This here is Paul. He's in prison for two years. Sometimes we are in situations in our lives that seem like they're prison experiences. We don't understand them. We are unaware of what it is that God is doing, and it feels like a prison to us. While Paul was in prison, he wrote a third of the New Testament. So he was sitting there, in, and we have this gift to us because of what Paul, because of the fact that Paul sat in prison. And if we don't understand situations in our lives that seem that they're difficult, it seems like we're in prison and we can't see what God is doing, often that is when God is moving the most powerfully in our lives and doing things that we cannot see. While Paul was in prison, he wrote one of my favorite books in the Bible, which is called Philippians. He wrote a letter to the Philippian church. It is only four chapters long, and it is a, it is a book on joy, on life, on rejoice, on the goodness of God. And he's in prison writing this book to the Philippians about the goodness and the joy and the peace that God brings. So here Paul is now, the beginning of chapter 26. It's the same accusation that is coming against him, and it's the same defense. We'll hear as we read through it, and we're going to read the whole, the whole chapter, we'll hear that Paul says that he starts off by saying, I'm going to just do a one minute explaining and then read it. Paul says, you know, I actually am aware of 
these accusations because I was a Jew. I was a Pharisee. I was actually taught under the, one of the top leaders, Gamaliel, so I know the Jewish law. And in fact, I am not betraying the Jews. In fact, me preaching Jesus, coming in the flesh, being crucified, and, re- and, and, and rising from the dead, and the Gentiles coming into this gospel, it is what was promised all along. He tries and, t- and to tell them, he says, this is the hope that you have been waiting for, fulfilled in, Paul, in, in, in um, Jesus' coming. So we're just going to read it. So Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and made his defense. I consider myself fortunate that as before you, King Agrippa, I am going to make my defense today against all the accusations of the Jews, especially because you are familiar with all the customs and controversies of the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, spent from the beginning among my own nation and in Jerusalem, is known by all the Jews. They have known for a long time, if they are willing to testify, that according to the strictest party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand here on trial because of my hope in the promise made by God to our fathers, to which our 12 tribes hope to attain, as they earnestly worship night and day. And for this hope I am accused by Jews, O King. Why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposition to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme. And in raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. In this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun that shone around me, and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, and that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and also to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. For this reason, 
The Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. To this day I have had the help that comes from God. And so I stand here testifying, both to small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass, that the Christ must suffer, and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. And as he was saying these things in his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. But Paul said, I am not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I am speaking true and rational words. For the king knows about these things, and to him I speak boldly. For I am persuaded that none of these things has escaped his notice. For this has not been done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. And Agrippa said to Paul, In a short time would you persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul said, Whether short or long, I would, God, that not only you, but also all who hear me this day, might become such as I am, except for these chains. Then the king rose, and the governor and Bernice, and those who were sitting with them, and when they had withdrawn, they said to one another, This man is doing nothing to deserve death or imprisonment. And Agrippa said to Festus, This man could have been set free if he had not appeared to Caesar. So I just want to tell you a story. When I was 12 years old, we moved from, I used to live in Pinetown, and we moved from, from um, Pinetown to Durban. So basically from like Mississauga to Milton. And I went to a new school. It was a primary school. It was our last year before we went to high school. I have an identical twin sister, Cheryl. So the two of us went to a new school. And I tried out for the hockey team, and we got into the first hockey team. In South Africa, sport is huge. It's very important. Schools basically revolves around sport. You don't play club sports. You play in school. And so um, we, it, also in South Africa, the team votes for the captain. So everybody got together, and they voted, and the coach was counting the votes and said we had to re-vote. And it suddenly dawned on me that the reason that we had to re-vote was because Heather had not been chosen as the captain. Now, Heather needed to be um, chosen as the captain because her father headed up the parent-teacher council in the school. He had personally paid for the new swimming pool to be built. It was named after him. There was a plaque. The swimming pool would be named after him. He had paid for the renovation of the tennis courts, the hockey field, and so we re-voted. Eventually, after the votes, the coach said that I was going to be the captain and my sister was the vice-captain, and I got this little plastic badge that said captain, and we played this season, and at the end of the season, we were undefeated. So as a result, we were going to tour, and it was a big, it was a big thing. We were going to go on a train, and we were going to tour. The week before the tour, the headmaster called me into his office and said to me, you have shown bad sportsmanship during the season. In fact, you even lied to the coach, and so Heather is going to be the captain for the tour. So I totally played it down. I never told my parents. We moved on. But the team found out that Heather was going to be the captain, and they unanimously decided that they were not going on the tour. So the... So the headmaster had to get together with the team and they had to come to some kind of agreement. 
And the agreement was that I would be the captain of the tour, but when we took the photograph for the school magazine, Heather was going to wear the plastic badge, and she was going to be in the school magazine as the captain. So everybody agreed with this. Um, you know, it wasn't such a big deal, and we had an amazing tour. The thing was, I never played hockey again. Throughout my high school career, I, at the end of the uh, grade 12, I captained the tennis team, the badminton team. I played for the first squash team, but I never played hockey again. Nobody asked me why I didn't play hockey. My twin sister played hockey. She played through school, university, after she had children. My games were all during the week. So my dad never got to watch my games. Cheryl played hockey on a Saturday. So every single Saturday, my dad would go and watch Cheryl play hockey. Then in our final year of prom, we were going to prom. We're all girls' school. We didn't have dates, so our teacher was organizing blind dates for us. And I was going with her brother. So we went to the, I went to the dance, the prom, and he, he, this is the thing, he actually played for the South African hockey team. He represented, he was on the men's hockey team, and then he went touring. He went touring, and he would call me from wherever he was, and he was coming to Durban, where I was, to play. We had a new AstroTurf built, and I was, he persuaded me to go and watch him play hockey. I remember sitting on the end of the field, just watching hockey for the first time again, and I literally felt that my heart was going to break. I sat there and I thought, I am in so much pain just watching this game because of an accusation against me that was a lie and it was false. This is Paul. He spends two years with people bringing accusations against his character continuously, and all of these accusations were false. My second story. When I was 18, I got my driver's license. In South Africa, you have to be 18. My sister failed the first time, and, so, and she was studying to be a pharmacist. She went to another province. She was at a conference, and she was rewriting the next day, but she was in Pretoria, and the exam was in Durban the next day. So she called me and said to me, will you go and get my license for me? So I said, Mom, Cheryl's asked me to get a license. I'm going to go and get a license. I went and I said I was Cheryl and got my sister's driver's license. <laughs> so I came home and my dad was devastated when he found out. It was like, you have just broken the law. That is fraud. You can go to jail. And I realized I'd really, really hurt him. He was, he was genuinely upset. But he got up, he held me, he told me he loved me, it was all good. Nothing changed his love for me. I knew that he was sad, but everything was going to be okay. 25 years later, I come to Canada, and I need to go and do my driver's license. <laughs> so I'd rather drive, I get in the car, the guy says, go left, I go right. I was like, oh gosh. I go straight out, this is true. 
Kathy Feldman came with me. She was so gracious and kind. She came, she picked me, used to pick me up. So I drive straight out, straight into oncoming traffic. Like, and I was like, oh my gosh, I failed. So I failed. <laughs> then I went the second time and I failed. So now I'm losing confidence in driving and now this accusation comes against me. Do you know that you actually broke the law? You illegally got your sister's life. Do you think you're going to pass this again? And now, this, but you see, this time, the accusations against me are actually true. Because I did do what these accusations were saying against me. I went five times before <laughs> I got my license. Every time, <laughs> every, I could not overcome these accusations against, like in my own mind, they would be true. They would be true. And I, was lit I would literally shake like a leaf when I got into the car because of this power of accusations over my life. But this time, they were true. Paul says in the beginning of chapter 26, you know what I used to do? I used to go into the synagogue, into the meeting places where there were Christians, and I would try and force them to blaspheme. Do you know when they didn't blaspheme, you know what I would do? I would drag them into the streets, put them in prison, we just read it, and I would be the one that was signing for their execution. You see, not only was Paul standing against false accusations, but he was standing against accusations against his life that were true. He, the Bible says, he actually was the one when Stephen was being martyred the Bible says that his face shone like an angel. They took stones, the Bible says, and, lit and killed Stephen. They, I can't imagine what that looks like to have stones thrown, against, thrown at you until you die. The Bible says they then went and took the clothes off the martyr, that bloodied martyr Stephen, and took them to Paul's feet and laid them at Paul's feet. Paul had to overcome the fact that he, the, he says, we just read, on numerous occasions, went into houses and dragged out mothers and fathers, leaving children, matching their faces of pleading and despair and begging when he was the one initiating that they would be taken to be tortured and ultimately into death. Paul stood with accusations against him's life that were both true and that were false. For me, karma doesn't work for me. For me, self-help doesn't work. Being a better you, you know, that's just what you, you just, you just overcome this by being a better you. You just believe in yourself. You just believe in yourself, be the best that you can be, do whatever you can, and you will overcome this. Nothing has the ability or the power to break accusations over your life. There is one way and one truth and one life, and his name is Jesus Christ. The Bible says, and Paul says that here, he said, Jesus Christ became my accusation. He was the one that was the accused. The Bible says that Jesus could not even carry his cross up the hill to be crucified. It says, cursed are those that hang on a tree. 
Jesus Christ became our curse so that we would be free from the power of accusations over our lives. And I believe today, as I've waited on God for this, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, that every accusation over our lives that are both true and false are broken by the power of the Holy Spirit because Jesus did that on our behalf. And that is why Paul was able to stand and say, I was that one that persecuted Christians. You are bringing these accusations against me. But there was, a, there was a God who appeared to me. And I realized that accusations are broken and smashed over my life because I saw him risen. I saw that he became that on my behalf. He took on every accusation so that we can be free. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Then we're going to read on in, just to read the scripture. Revelation. Revelation 12, verse 6. Can I read from above? Now war rose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the ancient serpent, who is called the devil, and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ has come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their own lives until death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. The Bible says that Satan is the accuser, and he stands accusing day and night. So not only is God going to break accusations over our lives and heal us, even in these weeks ahead. I never, I've never told anyone that story about me playing hockey before and different things. But God is going to do that. Today and this week, break the power of accusations over our lives. Remember, that's what the accuser does, day and night. The Bible says, accusers. The second thing I want to ask all of us is, do we ever align ourselves with the accuser? If the Bible says that the accuser accuses day and night, ask yourself, ask ourselves, Every time you judge someone or have an opinion of someone that is not according to Philippians, true, pure, <coughs> lovely, and of a good report, picture yourself actually aligning yourself with the accuser over their lives. You are literally saying, I am, this is what I picture myself, I am, I am aligning myself with what Revelation has just said over someone's life. And I pray for myself and for us 
that the conviction of God falls on us, that we do not have the right to have a judgment over someone's life. If it is correct or incorrect is not the issue. The issue is, it's your opinion and it brings death and you are lining yourself up with the accuser over that, over that person. You are taking what Jesus did through Calvary, the blood that he shed so that an accusation is broken. You are lining yourself with the accuser over someone, we are, I am, over someone's life, when I come into agreement and I'm taking what Jesus did on the cross and I'm nullifying that effect over there. That's what I think to myself sometimes because I do not want to line up with the accuser over people's lives. When Paul realized that the accusation had been broken over his life, he said, I have been saved and called. He was called and commissioned at the same time. And God said, now go to the Gentiles and preach the message of salvation, that through Jesus Christ there's hope, there's life, and there's freedom. So one, God breaks accusation over our lives. Two, we are not going to be the accuser. Help us, God, please, by the power of your Holy Spirit. And three, Paul then created life everywhere he went because he spoke life and change the destiny and eternity of people's lives. He did not just speak life by saying kind things about someone, about being encouraging. He actually proclaimed the name of Jesus Christ. For us to bring freedom to people's lives, it's more than just being a nice person. Lots of people are nice people, probably nicer than us. The power is in the name of Jesus Christ. The disciples were martyred not because they did kind things. They were all martyred because they declared Jesus Christ. At every opportunity, I pray that the, that the power of God, because we, we can't do it on our own, ask God for opportunities that the power of God falls on us so that we have the ability to proclaim the name of Jesus everywhere we go and bring life because we have been forgiven and we have so much to give.